The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. The scripture reading this morning is Judges 12, 8 through 15, and I appreciate Brad providing the large print edition of the scripture this morning. Judges 12, 8 through 15. After him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan, and 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then Ibzan died and was buried in Bethlehem. After him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel. He judged Israel 10 years. Then Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried with Algelon in the land of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Piriathonite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Piriathonite, died and was buried with Piriathon in the land of Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. This is the word of the Lord. So I do invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 12, as we continue our series through this book. And uh, the reading this morning may have felt a little weird to you because we're going to be talking about some minor judges. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But Judges chapter 12, uh, it is no secret to all of you that I'm a slight Lord of the Rings fan, and that includes not just the books, it also includes the movies. My favorite character in Lord of the Rings is Samwise Gamgee. Uh, And it's because Sam, Sam is like the perpetual voice of hope throughout this story. Like no matter how dark things get, Sam is always able to look toward the future with hope, except in one moment. And it's a moment that doesn't actually occur in the books. It only occurs in the the third movie, Return of the King. But it's it's this moment when Sam's closest friend, Frodo, who he's been helping throughout the entire story, uh, Frodo has become deceived, convinced that Sam is his enemy. Sam is actually working against him. And in this heart-wrenching scene, he, he tells Sam, you can't help me anymore. Go home. And Sean Astin, the actor who plays Sam, he does a fantastic job. You can just see the hope break in his eyes as he turns and he he leaves. What do you do in moments like that? Like in moments in life, in this world, moments that you encounter that make it feel like everything's lost. There's no future. There's no, no hope. To put it in, in biblical terms, moments like the cross. You ever think about the cross, the crucifixion, from the disciples' perspective? Like, we see the cross in the context of the whole story. We know what's happening three days later with the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples didn't know that. These were, these were men who had left behind their lives, jobs, family members, banked their entire future upon Jesus, and as he hangs dying upon A tree, it's got to seem to them like all hope is lost. There's no future. There's no hope. And I wonder, as we've gone through judges, like if it doesn't feel that way to you at the point we've reached in this this book. I mean, 
The book of Judges, we felt this entire time, has been this descent into darkness. And last week, it had to feel like we were hitting rock bottom. Talked about the fifth major judge, Jephthah, who literally sacrificed his daughter, his own child, as a burnt offering. Like, can it get any darker than that? Does it not seem, at this point in the book of Judges, like Israel is completely lost? How could there be any future for them as the people of God? How could there be any hope? Do you ever feel that way? Like about our moment in history in which we are living in. You ever feel that way about the state of the church? I'm not talking about Shades Valley. I'm talking about the church global. You ever look at it and just feel like how could there be any future for the people of God? Everything feels hopeless. Shades, if that's you, whether in your personal life or whether you feel that way about the world in general, if that's you, I've got good news I've got a gospel that breaks into the thickest darkness with the brightest hope. It's what we see in all of these stories that I've mentioned. Lord of the Rings, can't go into all the wonderful, beautiful details for you, but into the midst of that thick darkness, hope breaks in through Sam's return and rescue. The cross, hope breaks in through resurrection. Judges, hope breaks in. And like the cross, breaks in through the most unexpected of means, the, uh, a way that you could not possibly anticipate. The disciples could never have anticipated hope breaking in to the death of Christ through resurrection. Hope breaks into the darkness of judges in the same way, an unexpected way. It breaks in for us today through the final three minor judges. Right here in Judges 12, I believe that God is giving us a future and a hope. We've hit the moment where it feels like those things are lost and those are the things that he gives us. How? How? See it with me. Judges 12, we're going to start in verse 8. After him, that's after Jephthah, who we studied over the last couple of weeks, after Jephthah, Ibzan of Bethlehem. Now, there are two Bethlehems in Israel, the one that you know and one in Zebulun. And we're not sure which one he's from. It doesn't matter. It's not important. After Jephthah, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. Ibzan is what we call a minor judge. If you've been with us throughout this time, we've encountered minor judges before. If you haven't, know this. He's a minor judge not because he's unimportant, but because he gets minor page space. There are six major judges throughout this book who get major page space. Ibsen, not so much. And he's not alone. There's been three minor judges before him, Shamgar, Tola, Jair. And right here, Ibsen is accompanied by two more minor judges, Elon and Abdon. Six minor judges total, just like there are six major judges. And if you were with us the last time we looked at some of these minor judges, I told you they're arranged, they come at us as escalating breaks in the overarching narrative of Judges. Judges has this one overarching story, a story that we talk about as being extremely dark and descending into the darkness. Well, the minor Judges, they come at us as breaks in the action. They, they're, they're breaks in the sense that they, they break into the narrative and they give us a break from all the darkness that we've been wading through. They give us a, a reprieve, a, a, a breather as it were. They give us a break, and I said they are escalating breaks in the sense that each time we encounter them, we get more of them. 
And the break, therefore, gets a little bit longer. So the very first minor judge break we encountered was back in chapter 3 in verse 31. And we got Shamgar, one minor judge. The next one came in chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And we got Tola and Jair, two minor judges. And right here in chapter 3, we get Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, three. They go one, two, and then three. The breaks escalate and praise God. Because we've seen that the darkness in this book is also escalating. The minor judges help us see that as the darkness escalates, so do these breaks that shine a light on God's grace. That's what we've seen repeatedly through the minor judges. That's what, that's what the little bit of information we get does. It shines a light in the midst of this dark book. It shines a light on the grace of God. That's what we saw through Shamgar. God's grace breaking into the darkness. It's what we saw through Tola and Jair. God's grace breaking into the darkness. And it's what we see right here through Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. God's grace breaking into the darkness. Specifically, what we see is God's grace giving us a future and a hope. Right on the heels of Jephthah and everything that he made us feel like we had lost, no future, no hope left. He sacrificed his daughter. He literally sacrificed his future. God's people are plunging into the depths of darkness and hopelessness. We're left asking, how could there be any future? How could there be any hope? Right then and there, God shines a light. His grace breaks in through these three minor judges, giving us the things we felt like we lost, a future and a hope. I want us to look at those one at a time. So first, a future. A future. That's what we see through Ibzan right here. Read more about him with me. Verse 9. Ibzan had 30 sons and 30 daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan. And 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. And then Ibzan died and was buried at Bethlehem. So there's at least three details right here that make this passage very interesting. Detail number one, Ibzan's sons. His sons. If you remember our last set of minor judges, Tola and Jair, they came right before Jephthah's story. And now we're getting these new minor judges right after. Like Jephthah's story is so dark, it's like we need a break on both sides of it. And the last minor judge that came before his story was Jair. And the specific thing we were told about Jair was that he had 30 sons. On the other side of Jephthah's story, our first minor judge is Ibzan, who has 30 sons. In other words, Jephthah's story is bookended by these two judges with massive families. I mean, Jephthah, who had an incredibly small family, he only had one child, a daughter, whom he sacrificed. But the author of Judges has surrounded his story with details meant to shine forth this, this bright light that the future's not lost. There is a future 
God's not done with his people. He has a plan. He has a future for them. And it is a future that is full. That's what we're meant to see through detail number two, Ibzan's daughters. We're told Ibzan doesn't just have 30 sons. He's also got 30 daughters, which brings up a lot of questions for us about this guy and his morality and how many wives did he have and all of those kinds of different things. We don't know any of that. Here's one of the fun things I was talking to Matt about this this morning. We often have questions, like scripture causes us to ask questions that it is simply not interested in answering. Like, we got a lot of questions about this whole situation, but our author is driving at a completely different point, and we would be much better served if we ask what the author is driving at. Why is he telling us about Ibzan's 30 sons and 30 daughters? I submit to you it's because in all of the stories of the judges, daughters are only mentioned twice. They're mentioned in connection with Jephthah. Jephthah had a daughter whom he sacrificed, so he is left impoverished and empty. Ibzan has daughters who make his family full to overflowing. And those stories are set right next to each other. I mean, Ibzan's family isn't just full, it's full to overflowing. We're told not only that he had 30 daughters, but that he brings in 30 more daughters, daughters-in-law, who marry his, his sons. Like, there is a future that we're meant to see, and it is a future that is full. Specifically, it's full of peace. That's what we're meant to see through detail number three. Ibzan's marriages of peace. His marriages of peace. In other words, we're told he pursues marriages for all of his children, for his sons and for his daughters, but we're specifically told he pursues those marriages outside of his family clan. Why? What's the, what's the point in that? That would have been to establish stronger bonds between the different tribes in Israel, to, to establish relationships of Peace. The point of these marriages is to establish peace. That's the very thing that Jephthah destroyed amongst the tribes of Israel. Do you remember how his story ended? With his tribe, the Gileadites, having a civil war with the Ephraimites, 42,000 Israelites died. No peace. Shades, do you see? Do you see right here in, in the Depths of the darkness where Jephthah left us feeling like no future was possible. Breaking into that darkness is God's grace that says, I do have a future for you. One that's full. Specifically full of peace. I have a future for you. Where every hurt caused by every Jephthah ever will be reversed. And you, my people, will not be left empty. You will be full shades. God has a future for you. And just to make sure, just to make sure we get that message, it's emphasized for us again in verses 13 to 15. Let's skip over the middle minor judge right here, Elon. Let's skip over him for just a second. Almost nothing is said about him anyway. Whatever. Let's look at the last one. Look at Abdon with me. Look down at verse 13. After him, that's after Elon, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Purithonite judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. I had a really great joke that's not appropriate to tell. 
I'll let your mind play with that one for a little bit. Anyway, he judged Israel eight years. And then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirithonite, died and was buried at Pirithon in the land of Ephraim, the hill country of the Amalekites. So our final minor judge break, this is the last one we get in the book. Our final minor judge break, it begins and it ends the same way, emphasizing that there is a future full of peace for the people of God. Is this not what we see to an even greater degree? We saw that through Ibzon. Is this not what we see through a, to a greater degree through Abdon? He doesn't just have sons like Ibzon. He's got more sons. Not 30, he's got 40. Not only that, we're told that he's got ton of grandsons, 30 grandsons. Like in other words, our author is emphasizing future generations to show us that there is a future and it's full. Full of what? Full of peace. That's what we see through the donkeys. I don't know if you'll remember this, but the last minor judge break, Jair with his 30 sons, they rode on 30 donkeys and we talked about the fact that donkeys were beasts of peace. Horses are what you ride during wartime. Donkeys are for times of Peace, and that's what Abdon's 40 sons and 30 grandsons ride. They ride 70 donkeys. Now, the Bible uses numbers in a very interesting way. Sometimes symbolically, not always, so you have to be careful when you interpret them symbolically, but the Bible's favorite number to use symbolically is seven, and it's multiples, like 70. And the number seven in Scripture is typically symbolic for completion, whole. Total. And if that's what's going on here, then that is whole and total peace. We are meant to see a future that is full for generations of peace. That's what the author of Judges believed was guaranteed. Like that's what he wants to show us right here in the depths of darkness, in the, in the midst, on the heels of Jephthah's story, where it feels like we've lost a future, we've lost a hope. He wants to see, no, there is a hope for you. It is a future full of peace. Do you believe that, Shades? Like, do you believe that is true for you? Do you have that hope? I want you to. And so that's the second thing I believe our author helps us see, not just a future, but a hope. Second, a hope. Look back at the verse we skipped. Skipped over poor Elon. Look back at verses 11 and 12. After him, after Isbon, Ibzon, after him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. Then Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried at Ajalon in the land of Zebulun. This is the least amount of detail we get about any minor judge. I mean, we get like a name, a tribe, how long he ruled, and where he was buried. That's it. Like, the details are so sparse, it leaves us wondering, why is he even included? Like, why is Elon here? Honestly, I can't think of any reason. Except one. Except one. Elon brings our total number of minor judges to six. And that matters, because I told you there's also six major judges. So in other words, Elon brings our total number of judges to 12. Now, 
there were more judges than that in Israel's history. Our, our author has been purposeful with his selection. He has on purpose brought the number of judges in his book to 12. Why? 12 is debatably the second most symbolic number in all of Scripture. It's because Jacob, his name was later changed to Israel, had 12 sons. Those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Thus, 12 became a symbolic number for the people of God. The entire, this is why Jesus chose 12 apostles. It's symbolic of the people of, of God. In, in, in other words, the author of Judges, by, by bringing this number to 12, the author of Judges is telling us that all of the truths that we are encountering in this book, they are for all of God's people. That includes the truth that there is a future full of peace for the people of God. Shades, Elon is here to make sure you know that that is true for all of God's people. In other words, Elon is here to make sure you know that that is true for you. You have a hope. Like I, don't, I don't care what, what darkness you face right now. Darkness in your career, the lack of one, darkness in marriage, parenting, darkness in singleness, loneliness, darkness in depression. I don't care what darkness you face right now or how dark it feels like the world is. Right now, in the midst of that darkness, Elon is here to make sure we know we have a hope a guarantee from God. That's what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is a guarantee. That's not the way we normally use the word hope. When we use the word hope, we use it to express an uncertainty. I hope my team wins. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope somebody gives me a million dollars. Whatever. It's an expression of an uncertainty, but biblical hope, biblical hope is not an expression of an uncertainty. It is the expectation of a guarantee. Like specifically, it's the expectation of the future that God has guaranteed to give his people. That is what biblical hope is. It is probably most explicitly stated and well-known from Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29 11, God says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know who God is speaking those words to? It's to his people. Do you know where they are? They are exiles in Babylon. They are captives. They are at the moment in their personal history that had to feel like it was at the depths of darkness. And God tells them, you're going to be here for generations, for at least 70 years. And right in the midst of that, in the middle of that darkness, God breaks in with this hope. I've got a future for you. I know it seems like there is no future. I've got a future. I know it seems like there is no hope, but I've got, I've got a hope. It's in that moment that the grace of God breaks in to say, you have a future that is full of peace, that is guaranteed. That's our hope, which empowers us right now to endure in the midst of the darkness. Shades, you've got a future and a hope right now. 
in the midst of whatever darkness you face. You got a future and a hope because the ultimate judge, Jesus, entered into our darkness and defeated it. Like read through the book of Judges. Every, book, every judge that you read about in this book, no matter how good they are, no matter how much good they do, no matter how much peace they bring, it's always temporary. Like he, even what we've seen today through Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, their time was temporary. Just reread verses 10 and 12 and 15. You're going to hear a certain phrase on repeat. Do you know what that phrase is? And he died. And he died. And he died. Like read through the whole of scripture and every potential hero that you find who brings you some hope, you will hear that line and he died. You'll hear it every time until. Until you arrive at the ultimate judge. Jesus, who, yes, he dies, but that is just to enter into the depths of the darkness of death and defeat it. He rose from the dead, never to die again. Listen to it from his own mouth. Revelation 1 and verse 17, Jesus says, fear not, I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And so I have the keys of death and Hades, of all the darkness that threatens to defeat you. Jesus says, I've got, I've got the keys, I've defeated it. I'm sovereign, I'm in control over it all. I hold your future, your future is guaranteed. Shades, you have a hope. Do you feel that breaking into your darkness right now? Shades, that... That's why I want us to see that we have a future and a hope. Because the future, that may feel like a far off reality. But the hope that it gives is something that breaks in right now. With power for perseverance. We have a future of full forever peace that yes, will come when Jesus himself comes to make all things new. That is a guaranteed reality. And it breaks into our present as hope. Hope that provides power. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set, set your mind on the future that is guaranteed. It will break into your present as hope that will empower you. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Amidst this darkness, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. That future that's guaranteed. It breaks in and provides power in the present darkness powerful hope shades you have a future and a hope may that gospel truth break into our lives with an ever escalating effect to the point that there's nothing minor about it to the point that that hope 
gets major page space in the story of our life. Let's pray. Father, your gospel is good. It's relevant as it breaks in to meet us right where we are. And I pray, I pray that no matter what darkness anyone in this room is facing personally or they feel just through the world, pray that your word cuts through that darkness, breaks into it, shining forth like the light that it is. And they behold with blazing brightness your goodness in the face of your son, Jesus. He is our hope, who has guaranteed our future. May we live in the power and the strength that he provides. We pray these things in his name.